Welcome in to another edition of the Roost Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Bartlett, the managing editor and director of the Roost. I am pinch hitting as the guy on the mic again for Carter, who is using his, this is like Hawaii week, a, a bye week before the season. So uh, then we go 13 weeks straight or something like that. And uh, not alone or uh, left out to dry. I have a, a special guest this week to talk about. I guess not Conference USA anymore, since neither of us cover Conference USA programs. But this is Eric Henry, now of 247 Sports, I guess to talk about Texas. Is that the rumor around town? The rumor is indeed true, Matt. How I was talking about this with you when we we're off here, how things have changed. I've gone from covering Conference USA, covering Florida International Football, to now uh, the Big 12, soon to be SEC. Texas Longhorns, Austin, Texas, big city, bright lights. Uh, we were joking around with you again, saying that, you know, hey, I, I as a new, uh, not native, but I guess new resident of the Lone Star State, it's been an adjustment uh, leaving Florida, leaving the Sunshine State. You know, it, it's you guys here in Texas are big on, you know, everything being big. Everything is size related. I, it's, it's taken an adjustment to see just <laughs> everything's bigger in Texas. I'm like, huh, this is this truly is uh, how y'all get down. But uh, yeah. That the rumor is true, sir. You've been over to see some of those uh, little high school stadiums that uh, seat 60,000? I, I was going to say, I assume that was sarcasm <laughs> with the little. I am used to, you know, in Florida, the, the stadium, especially in South Florida, where you got six and seven teams sharing a stadium because, you know, they, they, you can't really get on your home campus. So, yeah, I've, I, I, have, I have not made my way over, Matt, to those wonderful facilities that have press boxes and luxury suites but you know hey i will spare you my hot take of if florida were gifted with the same facilities of texas that the level of high school talent would not be comparable but i will spare you that hot take sir i must say you better be careful where you say that there's some folks around probably some of your co-workers who would come to blows with you at this point <laughs> I, I will take that up with them another time especially working for 24 7 sports i'm sure some of the recruiting guys will uh We'll bust my uh, chops with that one. Yeah, absolutely. We, we won't get into, uh, won't make you pick sides or make anybody mad. And now, I, so we were talking, I believe, is this your fifth time on, on the Roost Pod? Your, your first time is, and only time as a Big 12 reporter. Yes, this is, this is the, the, the only time. Uh, hopefully not the last. Hopefully, I, I assume Rice and, and Texas will compete in the in the near future. And and you know, well, I guess this would be the only time as a Big Twelve. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I guess that part. Do, yeah. Do you have I, news? I don't. Is is Rice headed to the Big Twelve? Um, you know what? Let me tap into some of those sources, and maybe I can break. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, let me get back to you on that one. But yes, only time in the Big Twelve. And I do believe this is this is the fifth. Uh, this is the fifth endeavor. The fifth time you've allowed me to join. Uh, you guys here. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited because I'm hoping this week for a little bit of fresh perspective on the Texas Longhorns, which as somebody who has lived in the state of Texas for not my entire life, but what's the saying? I, I got here as quick as I could, like 90, 95 percent of my life has been spent in Texas. Okay. Uh, it's hard to get an unbiased opinion about the schools that are clad in, in burnt orange and maroon. It just <laughs> every college every college football fan base is is fanatical, right? We we know this. Everyone cares deeply, but there's something about the two uh, flagship schools of the the state of Texas where their supporters seem to be a bit more rosy than maybe they should have over the you know the long haul. So you have fresh eyes. You have been following the University of Texas closely for well, I, I guess a couple months now. So uh, can you give me a like a not died in the wool 40 year Texan perspective on what you think the Longhorns are, you know, big picture right now. Yeah. I mean, first off, I did note that you said the two major schools being Texas and Texas A&M. I'm sure I, I, in, in another life, I dated a Texas tech grad. So I'm sure those folks over <laughs> in West Texas would, would, would raise a stink, but I, I, I digress. Um, there are TCU fans saying we went to the playoffs. <laughs> fresh perspective on the horns matt um i guess i will just give you a general synopsis and if you want to get something specific I, I will leave that to you um yeah i mean listen having covered the team now since may no since june since june 
I think there is legitimate reason for optimism. This is not, you know, some a perspective that's clad in uh, it's Texas's birthright to be part of the college football playoff or anything like that. I just think you have to take a look at, you know, the facts on the field. Returning 17 starters, returning the majority of last year's offensive line, really the ent- entirety of last year's starting offensive line, but you're probably going to see a, a, a switch come Saturday in terms of, uh, Cole Hudson and DJ Campbell, those two players will, will sp- split time. But, you know, returning Quinn yours, returning uh, major contributors on defense. And then the additions, Matt, when you take a look and you add an A.D. Mitchell, who won two national championships at Georgia at receiver, who was making, you know, touchdown catches and college football playoffs as as not even a full time starter. Uh, that's something to take into account. You get a Jalen Catalan, who Rice fans should know had arguably his best game of his career against the and Rice he's Owls. still in college football. I saw him on the depth chart, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Still in college football, <laughs> and very much remembered his two-interception outing against Rice in 2021. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you take a look at some of those additions and the fact that, listen, I think Steve Sarkeesian knows that this is very much not a make-or-break year, but it's a really pivotal year for Texas in the sense that they need to end the tenure, their tenure in the Big 12, with a bang, you know, they cannot go into the SEC with a whimper. They have to, this is the first time since, you know, trying to win their first conference title since 2009. I think all the pieces are there. Of course, the major question is replacing B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, right? But again, just my, you know, 30,000 foot view of someone who has just kind of uh, set foot in the Lone Star State. I do think there's legitimate reason for optimism when you take a look at all the weapons and some of the things that Steve Sarkeesian should be able to do. Okay, and this is where it gets interesting to me, right? Sure. Because I've heard this story before, man. Like, you switch out the names, you give me a different blue-chip quarterback, you give me a different blue-chip, like, defensive line, they're they're all 6'6", 300 pounds, and they run like – like, I've heard it before, and and, and it makes sense. And then we get to Saturday, and it works, like, six or seven, eight times out of the 12, and everyone's mad, and they fire him and move on. And so – I, I know, have you kind of, again, fresh perspective here, because there's something that has been in this Texas thing since Mac Brown left, where the sum of the pieces, it just doesn't add up. Where on paper, you look at it and you're like, man, this, like, there's nothing wrong here. This team should be great. And then maybe it's the pressure. Maybe it's we're measuring them against 12 and 0 instead of, hey, 10 wins is a really good season for like 97% of the country. Maybe that's it. But is there something in in the that that you can like unpack for me? You know what what could be that that Texas problem that link? I know I know you've heard of it. There's the, there's the scuttle behind the scenes of like yeah, but what if it happens again? Sure, yeah. I mean, I'll put it to you like this, Matt. I'll give you a couple of things that I think would be this team's undoing. One, if Quinn Ewers could not rise to the occasion and play up to the potential that he had coming out of high school. I mean, that to be first and foremost, right? I mean, you got to start with the quarterback. I think the second thing would be the fact that this offensive line last year was some of the things, and and, and I, you know, I, I give me, I, I know you'll allow me the opportunities for some cheap plugs here. I, I wrote a couple pieces, yeah. you know, for 24-7 sports, really detailing while Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, you know, both drafted players in the NFL. Of course, Bijan won the Doak Walker Award. When you really break down, Matt, when they needed to run the football, when everyone in the stadium knew that they were going to run the football. They were bad. They were, they, there's no two ways about it. They were bad, even to the point where I, I actually broke this down. If you take a look at what, you know, football outsiders calls power running rate, right? Which is third and two or fourth and two or less, right? When, when you know that, again, everyone in the stadium knows you're going to run the football. 13 times, they did not pick up the necessary yardage to convert. 18 times, they chose to throw and did not pick up the necessary yardage to convert. So that's something that in my mind, if you're going to win a big game, if you're going to win the games that I believe you're talking about, right, the ones that Texas has not won in the past, the at Alabama, facing Texas Tech, you know, uh, of course they beat Oklahoma last year, but, you know, beating Oklahoma again, those types of games, or even the ones that are going to give you like a, a trip up, right? Uh, I look at Kansas as a trap game or even TCU. You got to be able to do those things. And then the another thing that I'll, I'll point to quite frankly, is, you know, and Steve Sarkeesian's really harped on it. His team has been bad in terms of pre-snap penalties. Again, I wrote another piece uh, for 24-7 Sports, 24-7, just talking about the amount of times that they either had 
procedural penalties, procedural penalties, excuse me, say that three times fast, whether it's false start, um, a legal shift, or, you know, even, um, uh, I believe you had snap infractions on center Jake Majors, right? Those things, those are the things that in big time games will sink you. So I would point to those two things. And maybe a third would be if this defense can't rise to the occasion and not be a great defense. They were good last year, but they didn't force enough turnovers. Uh, defensive coordinator Pete talked about the fact that, you know, they only forced 14 last year. So if they can't really rise to the occasion there, uh, that could trip them. And I guess something, you know, maybe that be, might be a little entertaining, for for your listeners, because I'll just give you a bunch of nerdy stats. Is again, if if guys just don't play up to potential, I'm, if I'm nerdy stats, let's go. <laughs> if guys don't play up to if Quinn Ewers doesn't play to his potential, if Xavier Worthy, you know, has a a down year, um, it'd be those types of things in, in my mind uh, that could potentially be this team's undoing. Or even or even or even I'll give you one more. Steve Sarkeesian, um, Texas fans have been very vocal about the fact that his play calling, they want to see him not stick to the script. They want to see him react to what opposing defenses are doing as opposed to just working off of that script. If he cannot manage the game, that's another one that I think needs to be answered as well. Is play calling in those are all valid reasons, but is play calling like the number one like cheap shot fan item that when something doesn't wrong, we can just blame play calling? Play calling or or quarterback, Matt, in my seven years covering <laughs> that's college true. football. That's about 85. What went wrong today? The quarterback or play calling? Play calling, right? Because, I mean, let, let's, Matt, let's just call a spade a spade, right? I, I Listen, at the end of the day, we're, we're football fans. We're sports fans. You know, this is kind of why we do this, right? But we're a little closer to things than the average fan. The average fan needs something that doesn't really need a ton of dissecting, right? This needs something that they can shout at to, you know, their their friend down the gap scheme. Exactly, right? It's it's not zone gap. It's not this. It's not that. It's not receivers didn't get off the line. It's quarterback play calling. Those are easy things you can shout about around the dinner table, right? Those are it's fun. It's fair. It is fair, and it's 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 interesting just kind of going through some of the things that you know you were talking about there's all these things that i'm thinking about and i'm thinking about prior texas teams and i'm thinking about everything i've read uh, for you guys over at 247 and just the stuff that's been put out in the ether about texas so far this summer there's all these things that i'm like just might trip them up it you know you mentioned that that track game you just like the, the, the kansas or like i don't know like kansas state or something just like just the iowa state comes out of nowhere and they have that one game where the quarterback throws four touchdowns you're like well I guess maybe not Iowa State. Didn't they lose a quarterback? So maybe that's yeah, it, it, it's exactly. not going to be uh, 100. <laughs> hey, hey, Matt, I wouldn't bet on it. That's just me. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't resist. I, I couldn't go, resist. Go Google Iowa State quarterback betting. That'll be your uh, entertainment for this thing. Uh, hot on the mic, Eric. Uh, so, but I did also want to ask you, as we're talking about here, because the expectations, you know, point blank for Texas are at a minimum win the Big 12. Like, at a minimum, if that doesn't happen, everyone in Austin will be mad. And Steve Sarkeesian will have to put on a pretty face and say, well, you know, we, we did better this year. We had this great win. You know, we beat Alabama. Ha, la, la. Like, people will be mad if they beat Alabama, but still don't win the Big 12. Like, I get it. So as someone who is now covering a team with expectations like that and is coming from your past history, you covered some FIU teams that were uh, – on the opposite end of expectation-isms, as you know, you mentioned we're all college football fans. What goes through your head where you're like, you just left a program that's like, hey, th- can we please win three games to like, if we lose three games, it is the end of the world. In the Panthers' defense, I know it feels like eons ago, Matt, but there was a time that, you know, they went to three straight bowl games. So I will say that, but you're 100% correct. Over the past three, four years, expectations have been low, to say the least. What is that like? I, I, I am going to try not to curse on your podcast. Keep us a PG <laughs> podcast. But it has been a mind bleep in many ways. Uh, uh, I Listen, I cannot deny that. Am I, am, I? I, I, am, I am grateful and appreciative of my time covering FIU. However, um, you know, uh, it's the case with a lot of G5 programs uh, trying to generate a huge fan base is an issue. And of course, you from you know your time in Conference USA, you're familiar with some of those programs that have had issues with fan support. So even just the fact that I'm not writing for the same you know 3,500 people, that in itself has taken time to get adjusted. You have, you to. have new people yelling at you every day. 
they, they, they listen. They just sprout up out of the ground. They are more than happy. They're vocal. <laughs> they have opinions. There are message boards. Um, so yeah, Matt, it has been, I mean, listen, it's been, uh, uh, a unique change, but certainly a fun change, certainly a fun challenge in my career to be covering now a team that not only has expectations, but as you talked about, you know, insanely huge expectations, which is, you know, not, like you said, a minimum win the big 12, but they think basketball playoff is, is a realistic, uh, goal here at Austin. And you, and you talked a little bit about, you know, the potential trip up things, but, but when you come into a, a season opening game against Rice, again, flipping your perspective, you covered FI, I mean, I, I remember a handful of the, well, they had, I guess, uh, Miami, uh, that was a good one uh, over FIU. Yes. But uh, the opposite perspective, most of the time of, of you've been covering the program that's hoping to spring the upset. Uh, not the one that, you know, heads will roll, shall shall that happen. Uh, so what's kind of the perspective going into this game? What what do – I know you are well-versed. We have talked a lot. You've been on this podcast a lot. You know Rice better than any Texas beat reporter I've ever talked to, period. And I don't think it's close. But from the general perspective, what else do uh, – what's kind of the outlook on this game? What do kind of Texas folks think – needs to happen from this and is it going to be like hey 59 to nothing are we riot or like what's the happy medium what's the end goal here that, that makes everybody happy matt my poor co-host on the flagship podcast that can be found at horns 24 7's youtube page chip brown i we taped that yesterday and uh i i feel bad because i was like a furnace blast of rice information that chip i think was caught a little <laughs> off guard I, I ran i ran down every rice starting quarterback since 2018 <laughs> in the intro and uh that's I, hard to do man you might be one of three there, there are people at rice that can't do that I, I i had to quickly be reminded that uh to your you know your your question uh the folks here in austin do not care that much about rice i uh, have no desire to know who started uh the games in 2018 or 2019 or so on and so forth so i think that's a perfect segue into kind of what you said what's the feeling around here yeah i mean the expectation is that this is going to be uh nothing more than a tune-up and i want to apologize to any rice fans who have you know, followed my uh, group of five coverage in the past and, and maybe stumbled upon some of my Texas coverage because I, I'll admit, you know, the, how can I say this? <laughs> I, you gotta, you gotta, I don't want to say you gotta write to your audience, but you have to listen to your audience. And yeah, I mean, Horns fans just don't, they're not putting that much stock in this game. So I think the way that I've had to not the not the factual X's and O's coverage, but some of the like I wrote a piece today uh, talking about how, the, you know, this game is a good tune up for Alabama. Right. And I don't like talking about in all seriousness. I don't like talking about, you know, any team in, in, in terms of a tune up for another team. Even when I I asked Steve Sarkeesian, is there anything that Rice does that, you know, uh, offensively that kind of helps you prepare for Alabama. And, you know, Sark did the coach thing, which is poo-poo that question and focus directly on this week, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, Matt, the the focus here is, or the expectation here, I should say, is uh, we've, I think we've got people predicting 48-0, 50-something zero, um, just because of how, how much this defense has been talked about in the spring and the fall, uh, I think, it would be more of a disappointment. This should probably put in perspective, Matt. It would be more of a disappointment if Rice scored six points in this game as opposed to if Texas didn't score 40. I think fans would be a little more forgiving of the offense saying, oh, they're being vanilla. They want to keep some things you know, close to the vest. Um, but if Rice were to score more than seven points or you know, even six, I think, the two field goals I said before, there probably would be some frustration on the uh, Horns 24-7 boards uh, from fans. Well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned, like, the, the like, keep them out of the end zone rule, which, which you know, it, it, I mean, it should be the expectation. If, like, if you just look pound per pound, like, the players that are lining up against each other, like, there's a gap here. Like, Texas and Rice do not recruit the same players. Like, we can we can be honest. But I think what, you, what, what you're getting at, which is interesting, me is you talked about being able to run in the short yardage situations last year with the best running back on the planet. Well, in college football, 
period. And there are people who are already anointing him one of the best five or six running backs in the NFL from a talent perspective. So if you can't run short yardage with Bijan Robinson, I, I have some concerns. Uh, you know, maybe that's not as big of an issue with Rice, but again, Texas, we're talking big picture. We're talking championships. We're talking playoffs. Uh, you're going to the SEC. This is this is kind of a part where I'm circling because if I'm Rice, uh, from my perspective, if I can move the ball on the ground on offense to any degree, I'm feeling pretty good uh, against this Texas defense. That has been good, but it's given up some big plays in years past. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, uh, how much can I can I use my numbers against me, win enough on the outside in in the secondary and force people to run into a box, and and that's going to kind of be interesting because and. We, we haven't talked about this yet with with week zero it was interesting to watch games just kind of get shortened a little bit with the new running clock or I guess not stopping as, as frequently as it did. Um, if Rice can put a couple perspective or uh, of those situations together where they get the stop because Texas offensive line isn't synced up as it needs to be or, or the D line, hey, there's a gap assignment, something missed those kind of extend plays. That's where. I'm, I'm, you know, we've talked about this. I'm kind of like trying to formulate where Rice gets into this game. And when I've looked at Texas games in the past, it's that undisciplinedness that puts in the opportunity because you line talent, talent, there's a gap there, but execution is the wild card. And that's something that I'm, I'm sure Sarkeesian has, has talked about needing to do, but we kind of have to, to see it from him first, right? Listen, I will give you a, a formula that could keep Rice around for a half. Now, what happens in that second half? You know, nine times out of ten, talent ends up, you know, just bearing, you know, out, right? But penalties is a formula. If you look at Steve Sarkeesian's team last year, they're in the middle of the pack uh, in terms of penalties, but they had a game, if my memory serves me correct, it was Kansas State, I believe, where they had 15 penalties. I talked about some of the procedural stuff, Steve Sarkeesian, even talked about it today, saying that they still want to get that stuff cleaned up. You know, he said, listen, I like to do a lot of motion, uh, pre-stat motion and, and things like that. If you're starting behind the chains, right, If or if you're putting yourself behind the chains, whether it's first and 15 or you, you go from a second and five to a second and 10, those things add up quick, right? Uh, another part of that, quite frankly, is the downfield passing game. That was bad for Texas last year. You know, Quinn Ewers, his yards per attempt was solid, but in terms of completing downfield passing per pro, per pro football focus, uh, he was something like 118th. I have to go back and check my notes to get it exactly, but something like 118th out of like 145 quarterbacks who qualified in terms of attempts 20 yards downfield or more. He got so, to throw to Xavier Worthy. How is that possible? Yeah, well, let me answer that really quickly, right? Because Xavier Worthy was one of the worst downfield targets last year. And Steve, I asked Steve Sarkeesian last week, I asked him having a guy like A.D. Mitchell or having um, Isaiah Nair or Wyoming transfer who was a really good downfield receiver in 2021 with Wyoming, does that open up things for Xavier Worthy underneath? And Sark said, yeah, you know, quite frankly, X, while he's gotten better at some of those 50-50 balls, right? That's not necessarily his strong suit. I mean, you look at Xavier Worthy, he's, He's fast as hell, but he's six foot. Uh, and I'm being generous when I give him a buck 75. I mean, probably close to a, a buck 70 or so. Um, he's not going to win very many of those 50 50 jump balls, right? But it, it, what Sark said is what they want to do with him is return him back to his freshman form, where, and I'm going to try to mimic for, you know, the people watching um, on, on, on um, Skype, essentially saying that, you know, for Xavier Worthy, not everything has to be like this for him. They want him to have more of these type of receptions where he's cutting across the field, catching it 10, 15 yards in, and then taking it 50 yards downfield. So, yeah, man, I mean, that's another thing. With a guy like Gabe Taylor, who, you know, some people in these parts didn't even know was uh, Sean Taylor's younger brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> with a guy like him back there in the secondary, I mean. Like he, one of the top three talking points of any national media about Rice. Did you know Gabe Taylor is Sean Taylor's younger, younger brother? Exactly right. So, um, with a guy like him there, I think it's that it, it was Brad Rosner being in his 19th year of college football, and then Luke McCaffrey, right? But now 20th. with Brad, what's up? 21st, 21st. But with Brad gone, now it's just Luke McCaffrey and Gabe Taylor. So, no, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, I do think that that's a formula where Rice can at least hang around. But I, I don't think 
we both know what Mike Bloomgren and his intellectual brutality. They're, they're, at the end of the day, they're going to use tight ends. They're going to try to run the football, and I just don't think that's going to hold up against a really good defensive line. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. One one kind of X factor I, I circle is going to be Rice quarterback JT Daniels because uh, I found this interesting. And again, uh, Texas fan base to fan base to Rice. Oh, you know, there's this journeyman quarterback who's been around for forever, and now he's playing for some group of five program, whatever. Uh, but I've done a lot of, you know, homework on JT Daniels. Obviously, I've watched him a lot. Uh, it left USC and Georgia primarily because of injuries and, and got Wally pipped twice, uh, went to West Virginia, uh, lost his job halfway through the year uh, for performance issues, uh, and then went down to, to Rice where he had the prior connection to Coach Bloomgren. So this isn't a guy who has fallen from Alabama who went to – uh, you know, Texas Tech, who went to UAB, who then went to and fallen down the ladder to like, where can I start? The guy that you see playing for like Northwestern State that you're like, oh, he used to be at Purdue or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so he he's a good quarterback. And I went back and looked at his last couple starts. This is now his third game against Texas. Uh, completed 60 some odd percent of his passes, uh, 500 yards, a touchdown, a pick. Um prior two stints and has been a pretty good quarterback. So I'm interested to see if, uh, again, no Brad Rosner, which is going to stink. But what what happens when you put a functional quarterback in the Rice offense? And maybe, maybe he can get past six points. I'm going to call it now. I don't even think that's Rice homerism. I think Rice is going to score more than six points against Texas. Uh, I will be interested in that. Bold take. Because I think the prediction that I just wrote down, I'm in the process after I finish taping this with you, I'll finish uh, a game by game prediction piece. And I think the final score I have is Texas 45, Rice 6. So interesting to see if they can get past six. And Matt, really quick. The I'm name... going to talk you into the seventh point by the time we're, we're done with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the name you were thinking about, about a guy who is just finding a place to play quarterback. Remember the old Western Kentucky quarterback, Tyrell Pigram? Yeah, he ended up Maryland for a while. So Ty, Piggy T, as he's affectionately known as, went from Maryland to he's Western Kentucky to he's Ole a- Miss to Towson and has now finally concluded his playing career. He finished last year with Towson. At Towson. At- yeah, so that's incredible. That's the, that's the example you're thinking of the guy who is just like, where can I play quarterback at? Um, but to your point about JT, it's interesting, right? Because the the feeling around here, obviously, it's basically the way you talked about JT Daniels, right? Which is the perception here is all right. Here's some guy who was a former five star journeyman. Okay, now he's at Rice. Yada yada yada. I, I do think, quite frankly, some people are kind of, in my mind, making a, a little bit. Not uh, not enough about the fact that JT Daniels will be playing his third game at Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. And quite frankly, you know, Quinn, yours, this will be Quinn's fifth game at DKR, right? So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so that's a really good point. <laughs> that, that, listen, you can feel free to steal that one. Um, I do think, JT. I, I do think that stuff matters, right? I, I do think JT Daniels is a little bit better than the perception is. So uh, it, what put you this way, if Brad Rosner was still at Rice, I would feel more comfortable saying that, you know, they're going to get a touchdown and maybe some. But it, it's just very hard for me uh, with just Luke McCaffrey uh, being the primary receiving target. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. It's a lot coming the beginning of what should be a a busy season for you uh, covering Texas. And of course, Rice will go on to an interesting non-con, I guess a big 12, another big 12 opponent at Houston. I'm not going to lie. I was looking at Texas's schedule before you coming on. I was looking at was like nine conference games and I was like, okay. I'm like, no, but, but Houston's in there. So that's, I was like, oh no, that's, that's a big 12. And uh, BYU's, a, oh no, that's, I don't know what league teams are in yet. I, I cover this sport. I, I got to remember who's in the AAC. Matt, my <laughs> my most embarrassing moment of, of last year was posing a question to Mike McIntyre, asking him uh, about his time facing, I want to say it was Sonny Cumbie. And, and I think I was making the point about, oh gosh, now I can't even remember. The point of it is I was making the point about uh, – some team, no, no, oh, no, 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 this is what it was. I was saying that Colorado during his time in the Big 12, 
he obviously had faced Sonny Cumbie, right? Had some familiarity <laughs> there. And Mac was like, nope, I, 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 we were in the Pac-12. And I was like, damn it, you're right. So I, I am <laughs> right there with you. The only realignment that matters to me is that my alma mater, the UCF Knights, are now part of the Big 12. Outside of that, I can't keep up. Texas UCF, is that on the board this year? It, listen, I Matt, it's it's not, and I'm disappointed. It's not in football or basketball, oh. or, or or at least, it, it, um, you know, yeah, sorry, UCF plays here in Austin, but not in football. So uh, unless UCF makes that magical run to the Big 12 title game, I, I will not get a chance to see the Knights uh, face the Longhorns. Oh, man. It, UCF playing for a real national title or Texas playing. <laughs> Touche. Just for you. Just for you, Eric. Um, Touche. You, you brought up UCF. They're not an American school anymore. But I did want to talk a little bit of, of G5 with you. Let you stretch yeah. your legs. Let's not, do it. Not uh, get you out of your uh, maroon shade, uh, maroon shaded, orange shaded uh, stadium. I saw, I don't know who posted it, but uh, DKR and the all orange. It's not for me, man. Like, I don't know. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I am unbiased. It will be my first experience in the sea of burnt orange. So, oh man, well, uh, we'll break in, go get some barbecue beforehand, and uh, and then I, I'm sure it'll be pleasant, enjoyable experience with all highly um, polite Texas faithful <laughs> around you. <laughs> but, but UCF, uh, G5, uh, kind of your thoughts. I don't think I've to you since like basically the last wave of realignment and everything sure. happened and, and i don't like i'm tired of talking about realignment like really like we've already done it umpteen million times and we'll probably by the time this conversation is over like the pac-12 will probably be like officially dead and we'll have a new conference or something but i did want to ask you a little bit about the american this year obviously because rice uh, has a vested interest. They are now in the American. I did talk to Rice's AD a couple weeks ago, and I asked him if uh, Rice was going to be playing in the American uh, beyond 2023. And he said, uh, quote, I can't predict the future. So, I mean, kind of as a joke, but like that's where we are right now in, in college football these days. But with all of the mix, and I know you've moved over with Austin, but can you make kind of heads or tails of, of what's going on in the AAC this year with half the league new and everybody kind of trying to figure out who's the new top dog for now. Yeah. Uh, I'll TV some with the American look out for UTSA. I think Jeff Trail is for real. I think Frank Harris is for real. I found it interesting, Matt. I'm not, I'm assuming you saw the piece in Dave Campbell's Texas football where Frank Harris said he almost thought about retiring, you know, that that was super interesting, but listen, when you got that guy back there and you got, you know, wisdom in the secondary, I think they're for real. I think Memphis is certainly going to be a team to contend with. And then outside of that, I think you got, you know, a bunch of teams. I mean, UAB, we'll see what they can do. But I think you got a bunch of teams kind of in that middle range trying to see what they may be able to do. And I think you got some teams. Uh, I would include Rice, quite frankly, in that middle of the pack. If Mike Bloomgren can finally get the quarterback situation going, I, I conclude in that middle of the pack. But and then I think you got a few teams at the bottom. Uh, you know, you got South Florida that's trying to rebuild. Uh, I will spare you my six-minute rant on Biff Poggi, Poggi, however the hell you say his name, in, in, in Charlotte. Uh, I, I, I don't know why Biff. Uh, that dude better just win. I, I think much? that we've had – oh, man. I don't think we've had any – I don't think we have any on-podcast rants yet about Biff, maybe. But there's been enough conversation on this podcast, at least, about Biff that uh, I don't I don't think he's made – many friends and I, I i mean i was around him at media days and i i can't say that i'm looking forward to my next conversation with mr pogey <laughs> matt you know has he let reporters into practice yet i need to go circle back with my folks over there yeah go ask hunter bailey if, if reporters have been allowed to, yeah he, to he was on here and, and i i let him tee off a little bit i'm like hey guys this is ridiculous and that was in beginning of july so here's the deal. Oh, you know, hedge fund Biff, uh, you want to talk that cash. That's fine. But your ass better win. You got to be able to back it up or else, you know, you're not going to have a, a soft landing space. Someone needs to tell him you're not at Michigan anymore and you're not the big guy at St. Francis. You're in a big market with a G5 team that, quite frankly, and I've seen this script play out at FIU. 
Matt, I've had the privilege or maybe, you know, weird privilege of covering the final game, final home game of Charlotte's last two head coaches. I covered the final game of Brad Lambert's tenure in 2018. I covered the what ended up being the final game of Will Healy's tenure last year. Those fans, when Brad Lambert was let go, it was frustration, but also like, hey, thanks, coach, for being the guy to bring us to FBS, but it's time to move on, right? We need the guys going to rejuvenate this program. When Will Healy was let go, Matt, have you been to Jerry Richardson Stadium before? I have not. It's unique, right? The press level is so basically you enter from the top down, right? And the press level is probably maybe five or six feet off of the ground from the first level. So it's a clear press box. Fans can look in and see, right? After the first quarter when FIU, a team that was quite frankly bad when they went into Charlotte, went up 21-0, we had fans yelling at us at the press box, tell them to do their job. And then by the time the second quarter came around, there were fans who were just directly yelling at the coaches' boxes, do your job, and throwing beverages at you know, the coaches' boxes. Fans can see into the coaching box. Oh, no, because it, it goes the, the coaches' boxes on the right side and the press box. And um, you can see directly in. So then I, I want to say they had dropped a shade after it got pretty ugly. But, yeah, you can see directly mm. in shade that's up. I'm only making this point is that, dude, for a program that's now entering their 10th year, right? They're on their third to 10th FBS year. They're on their third head coach. They're fed up with, quite frankly, you know, the false facade of hope. And you want to start being the guy to be the rah-rah guy and do this, and we're going to shut out the media. If you don't win, you're in the media is not going to be able to help you there because you shut them out. You're not going to have the fans. So good luck, Biff. All I, like I said, hedge fund Biff, talk that cash, just win. If you don't, tough. Yeah. And for every horror story that we can repeat of, of Biff that I can share, I have several more that I can't share. And it's not good, man. It's... Oh man, so Charlotte's off the list. Uh, any anybody else on the American? Because if if you're like me, where you'll you'll go to your game, you'll get all your stuff done, and then you're at the hotel or you're sitting back and you're writing post game notes or whatever, pulling pulling audio from from quotes or whatever, and you have a college football game on because what else are you gonna do? Uh, any other particular program from from AAC or, or CUSA that you're going to have in the, in the corner of your screen when you're doing Texas post game and, and kind of casually falling for entertainment value? Yeah, I mean, of course, I will still cover or, or cover. Wow, I'll still follow the Panthers. I will not be covering the Panthers. But it, it pays much more to cover in Texas. So. Did you have heart palpitations? They had a week zero game against Louisiana Tech that was particularly. Uh, uh, Matt, I don't, I, I don't know if you saw. I, I went to the game. I, I decided to make the trip. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I was in Ruston. So that, that was a, a unique one to watch. So I'll have FIU on in, in the background for sure. Um, in CUSA, who I'm really interested to see, uh, Jacksonville State, Rich Rod. I, I kind of want to see what they're about. You know, they got the win against UTEP. And then if from the American uh, you know, being from Tampa, I'll want to see what USF is doing. You know, I, my parents are USF grads. They made poor choices. I didn't. Um, but I'll actually want to see, you know, what 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 uh, can be done there in, in Tampa. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say those would be the ones overall. But you know me. I mean, I'm a G5 guy. I'll, I'll want to check out a lot of these programs at some point in time in the background. You know, some some late night CUSA, late night Maction, you know, stuff like that. About to say, and now Tuesday night CUSA showdowns in in favor or or not? No, Matt, I'm in favor. Here's the thing. I've seen some fans talk about, okay, it's midweek. It's going to be hard for us to make the games, uh, blah, blah, blah. Here's the deal, man. A, we know those games. The reason for them is to, quite frankly, brand this league. People, and Matt, you know this, having, you know, previously right previously being part of CUSA sometimes you talk with general college football fans like what conference is rice in what conference is so and such and such in if you get a nationally televised spotlight at least you're building a brand for yourself you've seen what the mac has done with maction right it, you can kind of do something similar in my mind so i'm a huge fan they don't of have that. a name for it yet Not oh uh, uh tuesday night kusa kusa i'm, I'm a fan of, of the kusa <laughs> They did drop the hyphen, so we can kusa. It. So we can call it kusa. There's no hyphen, <laughs> right? So 
um, yeah, no, I, I am a fan of it. You know, hopefully that'll generate some um, some student attendance in places like Miami where, you know, there's other things to do on the weekend besides go to a football game. So maybe, you know, the, the midweek games will help. But no, I think overall, from a branding perspective, I, I, I am not a Judy basher. I think Judy McLeod did the best she could with the hand she was dealt, put it that way. Hey, and I will say, and I know this, I've had conversation with, with Rice fans about this because right now one of the, the prominent Athleta Marks Rice has is that old English R uh, with the Texas state of Texas logo uh, behind it, and and I've had people come to me and tell me that I don't like it. we don't need we don't need the Texas. I'm like no no you don't understand like you don't your school is not like University of Texas El Paso or Florida International or like there, there's no state in your name. So when you say cool Rice, that's like they're turning on and they're like we're watching Mercer. What state is Mercer in? I don't know, but they got a logo of the state. Is it Georgia? Georgia, right? South like, Georgia. Yes, it, yes, South yeah, Georgia. I was, yes. Say, I, I was say, I was pretty sure. But if you have the state logo behind your name, they'll know. They'll know where you are. No, I, Matt, I a thousand percent agree with you. I'm actually surprised to hear that take for some rice fan. That take, excuse me, from some rice fans because yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't know where rice was until I started covering college football. So yeah. It, didn't have that little Texas logo in the background. That's a relatively new invention. I'm just passing along to the people with the uniform designs. Hey, sneak peek, we might have some new rice shooties. They're going to be cool. So, yeah. um, I'm hoping they're going to be cool. I haven't seen them all yet, but I'm hopeful. We'll see. I'm in for new unis. Uh, now that you cover Texas, uh, pro or anti, uh, not novelty, but uh alternative uniforms you're, you're entering a very uh we dress one way uh team good question can i hedge my bets and say i'm pro if they're done well what i mean by that is this i don't like i'll use florida and florida state as examples even miami to an extent too i don't like how exotic they've gotten with some of their uniforms i don't mind a good alternate when Florida State would break out the all black back in, you know, I mean, I'm 32, Matt. So when I was in high school and, you know, Florida State had. No, I, the, I remember those teams. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the sleek all black. Like, I loved those. I remember when Miami first went to, I want to say it was the orange top, right? Just the top. You know, I'm talking about the the middle school days from your, or, or yeah, middle schoolish. Um, the 0203, you know, the the that tenure of hurricane, right? And it was just a clean orange top. I liked that as an alternate. I hate when you start getting exotic with that. So if Texas, just my take, you know, like Texas has done an all black, right? A black with the yeah. orange numbers. Yeah, like that, that I'm a fan of. But anything else, um, then you start kind of losing me. I'm just putting it down. Camo does not belong on a jersey, period. 100%. I, I, I co-sign that take. I don't, I don't care. There's never been a good, well... I'm going to give a caveat. Some of the Army Navy jerseys, yes. like, just like, come on. Yes. But they're also one game. They're iconic. And I'm pretty sure, like, they end up being sold to charity. So some of the designs and stuff, like, just everybody else. Agreed. I mean, I'll even use my alma mater as an example. You know, when they start going to the Space U stuff and the Citronaut and all that, I'm hey, like. hey. Rice's space jerseys were some of the crispest college football jerseys that have ever been worn. Period. Matt, I am not here to engage in the space debate. That is, <laughs> that is a big thing. That is a big thing amongst the UCF crowd because obviously Houston Johnson uh, Space Center is what it called, correct? Yeah. Um, and Kennedy Space Center and who was space first and whatnot. It's a big debate. I'm not here to to get into that because I hate all those uniforms, quite frankly. It was so funny because it never became a thing until UCF was like, "No, we're the space school." And everyone's like, we, we just wanted to do a cool uniform, but okay. Matt, have you ever engaged with a UCF fan? We own everything. No. Whatever we did, no. <laughs> we, we did, we did it. <laughs> uh, you can take the uh, the Eric out of UCF, but you can't take the UCF out of Eric. <laughs> there we go. Well, I uh, I do appreciate your, your time. I won't keep you. I know you have – there's a new Longhorn fan that has opinions that you need to hear, I'm sure, on your message board. Uh, but uh, we do want to say thank you for, for stopping by. I always – selfishly, I have a good time getting to do these. And uh, what else for, for – you know, and now that we are officially 
uh, part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football uh, Republic of Football Podcast Network. I'm getting better at saying that. Uh, we're now on the feed, and there's a good chance that some Texas fans have heard us. So I'm going to give you one more chance. What else uh, promo, uh, what else Texas-related do our Texas uh, friends need to to know and, and follow up on your stuff? And then, you know, any other G5 things that we need to be knowledgeable under the cover. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll start with the Texas coverage. Of course, you can find it at horns 24 7 you can find me new co-host of the flagship podcast just search horns 24 7 on youtube you will see myself i've taken over for the uh lovely and talented taylor estes who is now joined 24 7 corporate um but it's myself and chip brown hosting that podcast you can find my coverage again horns 24 7 uh working on game by game preview uh working on q a with a beat writer uh for actually this week i'll, I'll talk with Steve Helwick, my old buddy Steve Helwick of Underdog Dynasty. I will chat with him about the Rice Owls. I will, uh, let's see, what else are we doing here? Um, we got game previews, of course. Uh, we got a ton of stuff coming up here. You know, 10 thoughts. Uh, we got a ton going on this week, and it's a ton going on in general over there. So Chip Brown, Jeff Howe, myself, uh, Hudson Standish, Hank South, Tommy Yarish, Jordan Scruggs. I've shouted out everybody. We roll deep. We've got a deep squad. We can easily pull up to you know, the local YMCA and, and, and run uh, a quick five on five with subs. Yeah. I'm about to say, I hope you stretch. This is the beginning of football season in Texas. So we, we got it. Yeah. W- welcome to uh, you. You're used to heat. You're from Florida, but we now have a hundred. What was it in Austin this week? Like 112, something like that. So welcome to yeah. Texas. Heat. <laughs> Matt, uh, just really quick. Cause I will get out of here, but um, I guess I can end on this. I learned very quickly that Texas is indeed hotter than Florida. No breeze off the coast, <laughs> no clouds. The sun just beams down on you. So standing outside of AT&T Stadium, outside Big 12 Media Days, that was when I said, yeah, this is the real deal. Okay, two things real quick, because I haven't gotten your Texas take yet, and I wanted to get you into a little oh, bit of trouble. Oh, yeah. But yeah before, sure. before we leave, so first off, uh, one thing that that now since, you know, you're, what, three, four months in, in, in as being a Texas transplant, something like that. Uh, one thing about Texas that you uh, have found that you appreciate more than you expected. And uh, and one thing about Texas that it's just never going to grow on you, man. You don't like it. That is a phenomenal question. The one thing that I think won't grow on me, I'm not going to, again, being a Floridian, I'm not going to say like, oh, there's no beach. You know, that's the, that you can't control, right? I, I mean, at least where I live. Because obviously, if I went to different parts of the state, you could find that. I just... You guys have a hard on for for size. Make of that whatever you want. Clip that YouTube it, make it a meme. Everything I was Texas sized, and that is just very. I guess. Listen, maybe because Floridians, we try to downplay been Floridian sized. I was gonna say maybe because we try to downplay the fact that we're, we're Floridians because everything's just bonkers over there. Nothing is Floridian sized, but everywhere I go, that. there is a pride. You don't have Texas man. You have Florida man. There is a pride in being a Texan that I don't think I'll be able to fully appreciate because I am not a Texan. So that I don't think will ever grow on me. But what have I come to appreciate? (laughs) I feel like the two things aren't mutually exclusive, right? Because I almost was going to say like (laughs) the pride that people have in in, put you this way. Um, The food, barbecue, I've, I've come to appreciate. And I feel like that is almost like something that Texans boast about in a way that's like, you know, we do good barbecue. I, I have come to appreciate that. And I think, huh, not the Texas pride. There's a culture of Texas that I can appreciate, but it's different from the everything's bigger in Texas. Does that make any sense at all? Maybe. Are we talking like uh... – Say hi to your neighbor and pick up your trash, like howdy partner, kind of? No, because no, I live in Austin, so none of that exists here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I look people right in the face. I'm like, hey, they look like I have three freaking heads. Um, no, I, I, you know what? Honestly, Matt, let me sum it up to you this way. Um, the things that they write books about Texas about are, are, are kind of like have grown on me, like the high school football and – um, I, as I said, I went to um, Louisiana Tech FIU, so I made the drive from Ruston 
back to Austin and driving through some of the small towns and kind of seeing like the charm in, in that, um, those so things you've done like a four hour drive and you realize you're still in the same state. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. It took me like five and change. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So those things I've come to appreciate, I'm right? I'm still in East Texas. Yeah. yeah. So it's not the boastful things about yeah. Texas, like we're Texas or, you know, everything's bigger in Texas, but the things that you write books about, like the charming small towns and the, the community, like those things, I, you don't get in Florida. And I feel like that I, I've come to kind of appreciate. Get you a couple months, get you uh, your favorite Takiera for, for, uh, breakfast tacos and. Oh, oh, listen, the breakfast taco breakfast burrito. We're already crossed that. That is an A plus invention that you cannot get in Florida. Um, I, I, I don't have any Cuban food out here, but God bless breakfast burritos. Yeah. My, my friends that are now scattered across the winds, the, the two things that they always tell me that they're like, this is the, this is what I miss and I can't get it is breakfast tacos and kolaches. Those are the two I, that they're just never had a kolache. So I'll have to do that. You know, get, get, get yourself a good, they, I, they have kolaches in Austin is a, a Baylor is a, is that in Austin or in Waco this year? It's in, it's in Waco. Okay, on your way down to Waco, there's a little tiny town north of Waco, West Texas. Check stock, Kalachis. It it's worth it's worth it. Okay, Fantastic. I, I will do Promise. that. And and and, and Matt, let's add, add this to the list. Like Heb, is it H E B or is it Heb? <laughs> I've never had a person in my life call it. <laughs> that means I'm not a Texan, right? <laughs> There's hyphens in the sign, man. H-G-B. I guess if there's hyphens, then it would be AGB. I guess that makes sense, huh? I, I, I haven't gotten used to that. I'm a Publix guy. I, I miss some Publix. Heb. Oh, man. You can pull together. You were doing really good convincing me that you were you were Texanified until we got to Heb. Oh, Dude. man. I will. I'll, I'll bring that up this weekend. <laughs> Have fun at my expense. Go get a sandwich at Hab, Eric. I am all good to be the butt of a joke as a new Texas resident. I can take it. Get you there. Well, we're we're getting there. We're we're glad you're here. Selfishly, we'll steal you away from Florida. Florida can have its own, uh, I don't know, Publix and no Hebs and no Eric for now. But uh, I'll wrap us up. Uh, I did have, I had a great time uh, chatting with you. Good to hear you're, you're being indoctrinated into texas next time rice and texas are on the schedule i'll get an update and uh, maybe before then of, of how the texify texification uh, is going but uh until then i will uh say goodbye thank you to everyone who is listening as always uh we're glad to be with you guys we'll be back next week breaking down the texas game uh, if you haven't yet uh go check out uh homefield apparel use the code roost r-o-o-s-t spell that's right uh get 20 percent off your first purchase there's some texas stuff say it quietly it's not as good as the rice stuff but there's some good texas stuff there and uh go follow us on patreon we got practice notes uh everything going you you know you ran through the, the list eric did this week it's it's the, it's game week so we got plenty of stuff going on so uh we will bid you guys uh goodbye for this time and uh see you later rice fight This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.